1: Back to the Blitz podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo, and as always, joined by my man, Harley Schultz. Harley, how are you doing today, man?
0: You know, I'm a little sleepy as we start to turn the uh, pages of the calendar closer and closer to the month of October. Obviously, we're getting a little bit more of a chill in the air. It's a little, a little darker, a little earlier, and uh, I don't know, it just kind of makes me a little sleepy. But uh, fortunately, I've got myself a nice uh, beverage here tonight. and We've got football on the TV. We do record on Monday nights during Monday night football. And I've got a cat here to keep me warm, so you can't ask for too much more than that,
1: right? No, not at all. And you know what? Uh, Hopefully your wife's doing well, too. Um, I'm a little tired also myself, so uh, you saying that makes me not feel so bad. Um, But pulling myself up by my bootstraps and we're going to do this show. Um, We'll try to have as much fun as we can. But before we get started, I would be remiss if I didn't say that The fantasy community lost um, a very important member in Mike Tagliere this week. Tags, as people know him. So before we do anything, before we get started, we're going to have a quick moment of silence for Tags. So something like that's never easy to do, especially when you know people, and people may not know him personally, but they know him because of his work and things like that. And you hear that he's a young guy, and he's got a wife and kids and all that stuff. And it kind of makes you do a little inventory of yourself and make sure that you're doing things right and taking advantage of the life that you have, right? So one 100% the-
0: it's it's very very weird to uh, to to see someone that young, that in his prime, again, with with a family, to uh, see someone like that pass away at such an early age. It it's both scary, but it's also really really it's it's been heartening to see how the internet and particularly the fantasy community has sort of come together to help raise money for his wife and his family going forward.
1: Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. Like, look, I got into fantasy initially because I like football and sports, and I like challenges, and I'm competitive. But one of the things that's really easy to lose sight of, whether you're working in the industry, part-time, full-time, working in it for no pay or a little pay, right, or just playing in it, it's easy to lose sight of why you got involved. And it's probably because of friends, family, and to have fun and something that you enjoy. So minimally, I think we should always try to keep sight of that. We try to, you know, we make jokes about that occasionally. Hey, don't worry about it. If you're not, t- not sure who to start between two guys, choose the one you want to root for, right?
0: That is certainly one way to look at things, yes.
1: So I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, there's lots of times where in my past, in my life, I've kind of been like, why'd that happen to me, right? Or why couldn't I have gotten that break or something like that? And and this adds a little bit of um, reality to it that, hey, it could always be a lot worse.
0: Reality and humanity.
1: Yes. Humanity, humility, the whole deal, everything, honestly. Um, So, yeah, it's just, it's a tough spot to be. I know that it's hit a lot of people differently. And, you know, just reflect on it and realize that the most important thing, honestly, is your family, you, your family, your friends, and having some fun, and doing the right thing and being a good person. That's why Tags was so beloved. He was a good person through and through. Forget all the other fantasy stuff. That's the first thing you read when you read about him. So um, with that, I'm going to just throw it over to Harley for this week's Blitz Podcast News.
0: Thank you, Steve. Andy Reid was released from the hospital Monday morning after tests due to him feeling ill after the Chiefs lost to Los Angeles on Sunday. We asked Coach Reid if this was somehow related to COVID, and he said no, he just felt ill. Well, you know what, Coach Reid? I felt ill too, especially after watching your run defense. (laughs) In related news, Reid was readmitted to the hospital later this afternoon, when he heard of plans for the Chiefs to sign Josh Gordon. (laughs) Titans receiver A.J. Brown is week-to-week with a hamstring injury sustained early in this past Sunday's game. The popularly projected breakout wide receiver has posted only seven receptions for 92 yards and a single touchdown over the first three weeks. At this point, Brown's owners are left grumbling and mumbling, what can Brown do for me? Baltimore Ravens kicker Justin Tucker delivered a walk-off NFL-record 66-yard field goal. Or, as they say in Chicago, 19 yards further than the Bears' entire offense netted in their entire game. (laughs) And finally, Rashad Bateman is practicing with the Ravens and will likely be activated off of the injured reserve prior to this coming week's game. Consider this your advance warning that since next week is October you can go ahead and advance drop Sammy Watkins off of your redraft rosters. This has been your BPN News Update.
1: Okay, 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 okay. So first, you start out making fun of Andy Reid going to the hospital, and then you double down. So I guess when they say too soon, I don't know, but that might have been too, too soon. At least he's okay. I think that you wouldn't make that joke if if something bad was with him, but... It first thought was, you know, is it COVID related? Quite honestly, yes. And then it's like, okay, they say it was okay. So then you have to wonder, was it heart related because he is overweight and all that kind of stuff? But look, I've always going to have a special spot for Reed in my heart, being a Philly, Philly, Philadelphia Eagles fan. Um, and, you know, I know you do because he's in KC and brought you guys a Super Bowl. So I hope he's okay.
0: Yeah, it, it sounds like he's going to be okay. And uh, I mean, all joking aside, obviously, you never want to see someone go to the hospital. Uh, but again, it's, it, it's again, part of the game. People were playing the game and uh, he didn't really show any signs during the game of, of being an, at issue. It wasn't until after the game was over and they, and they just lost just barely that he all of a sudden came down feeling ill and he couldn't make it to the presser afterwards. And they had to rush him off to uh, a local uh, medical center for, for testing and stuff. So it, it all seemed a little suspicious, the timing of it. Uh, obviously, I didn't want to assume the worst. And I didn't want to assume the best. But again, the best news overall is that Reed is okay today. And uh, aside from having his uh, stomach feel a little turny after hearing that the team had decided to sign Gordon, uh, we'll see what, uh, what Reed can do to get the Chiefs back on track. Because they're in a place that they're not used to right now, which is the bottom of the AFC West
1: yeah that is true. Um, I don't think they'll remain there. That's for sure. Um, well,
0: yeah. this week is certainly gonna be a tough test.
1: Well, I sure it wouldn't want to be the Eagles, honestly.
0: I, I would hope that Patrick Mahomes would be playing with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder this week. And uh, although realistically, that's not really his modus operandi. He's always been much more calm and cool in the pocket, and he's able to do weird stuff after after the play breaks down, and that's kind of been his calling card. And, you know, you can't really put a lot of what's happened over this first couple weeks on him. They, they faced a very good pass defense last week in the Chargers. And I, I mentioned, uh, for those of you that read the uh, Daily Dominator at Huddle.com, uh, that I was not big on Patrick Mahomes last week because of the fact that they would have a hard time throwing the ball against the Chargers defense. And, and historically, Patrick Mahomes actually struggled, has struggled against the Chargers defense from a passing standpoint. Now... He still obviously threw for three touchdowns, so it wasn't a complete loss of a day, but his numbers weren't what you would normally expect from him.
1: Nope. Understood. Um, okay, this week, two, se- two segments. Um, one, of course, will be our DFS segment, like always, right? Pay up, mm-hmm. stay away, and value plays. <coughs> and then we're going to have fun, and we'll start off with this one, um, for better or worse. That means that what I did was I wrote down 15 positions, running back, wide receiver, or tight end, okay? So as an example, I may have wrote R-W-W-R-T-R-W-W-W, right? So you don't know the order I have. I'm going to ask you for a number. That's going to be the number that that player currently ranks, and then we're going to say, are they better or worse going forward? Okay. So. First number you want to give me. Let it let it roll.
0: I'm gonna go with running back. Well, you don't get the pick. Five.
1: I I already have oh. I already have that. You're just gonna give me a number. One through okay. whatever you want to give me. I've got the position, and then whatever that corresponds to, that's who we're going with.
0: I got you, I got. It. Number five.
1: Number five. It is running back. And the player that comes in at number five at running back is Austin Eckler.
0: Well, this is interesting that the Austin Eckler is the guy that came up. He obviously didn't do very much in the first week. Uh, then the coaching staff in Los Angeles realized, oh, hey, we can throw the ball to this guy. And he actually looked good the last two weeks catching the ball out of the backfield, in addition to uh, adding a supplemental amount of yardage on the ground as well. Now, the reason I was hoping that you were going to say, let me choose running back five, is at most drafts this year, from a redraft standpoint, Uh, I would think the top four running backs were pretty much set in stone. It was going to be Christian McCaffrey, Delvin Cook, Elvin Kamara, and Derrick Henry in some order or there or other. But I wanted to see to myself, well, okay, well, what is the running back five? Because I think that was kind of that that weird spot in your drafts where you didn't know exactly what you were going to get from all the guys available. So it's interesting to see that Austin Eckler, who was typically drafted right around the swing of the first round to the second round, has moved himself into that spot. I think a lot of people actually predicted that this year. They thought that uh, second year at the offense, there uh, more comfortable, more comfort, more familiarity. Plus he's fully healthy for a change, which we have never seen with him. Uh, it, I think it's right. I think it's just about right for him.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I actually do too. So I, that's one of those ones where I just go, I don't know if I say he's better or worse. If I had to guess, honestly, I think <coughs> he may wind up a little bit worse. Um,
0: I would agree with that
1: and that's not saying much it could be six seven eight I think that there's a few players below him that have underperformed that we could see vault above him um five adp wise was Nick Chubb six Jonathan Taylor seven Aaron Jones eight was Austin Eckler I think we're we're good in a good spot with where Eckler is going to be but I don't see him being better than five
0: I absolutely agree with that I think five is kind of his high his ceiling point and again I don't think it's less so that he might slip a few spots based on his own lack of performance. Correct. But he may be passed by some of these other backs who start to perform better themselves.
1: Yep, that's exactly where I land at. Okay, so for the second player, we're going to talk about, give me a number. 11. Number 11 is wide receiver, and that is Jamar Chase.
0: Wow. (laughs) Wow. a guy who this offseason was completely mercurial in terms of where people were drafting him and concerned about his drops in the preseason. And I mean, obviously, from a dynasty standpoint, he was probably one of the top two wide receivers to go off your board at your rookie drafts. But from a redraft standpoint, people weren't sure if they should draft him as a wide receiver three or a wide receiver four or a wide receiver five even. And here he is performing at this high, high level. Now, again, how much of this is due to the fact that other people that we expected to be above him are down so far guys like AJ Brown, who probably would be right around wide receiver 11, uh, pre-draft again. But I think that chase, obviously he's got the familiarity with, uh, Joe Burrow, uh, right now they've had some injuries there. I believe, uh, is uh, it T. Higgins that missed this last week's game? Yes, it is. And so, again, we were a little concerned about what the split would be between Higgins and Boyd and Chase. And, again, if Higgins continues to miss time, I, I could see him continue to target Chase. I, I just don't see him remaining as a wide receiver one level talent all year. I mean, it, it, it's historic when a guy like Justin Jefferson breaks out as a rookie last year to produce wide receiver one talent level production. I just I don't see that happening two years in a row. So I think he's a little bit ahead. I'm guessing he would probably be uh, around wide receiver 18 or so by the end of the year, wide receiver 20.
1: I'm with you. I'm going to say worse. I think he finishes as a wide receiver, too, that gives you some upside, but I don't believe it's going to be consistent. So the other thing is this is through three weeks, so these don't have your C.D. Lambs, your Amari Coopers, and Devontae Smith and stuff like that in it yet. Um, and they easily could pass him and push him down from 11 right now this week. So, And it doesn't take much to make that happen. I think Cooper's less than 12 points from him. So, yeah, I think, he's, I think it's worse. Not a lot worse, but I think it's worse. All right, next pick. Give me a number.
0: How high does the number rank go?
1: Whatever you want it to go. But just remember, you don't know when 17. tight end, You don't know when tight 17. end comes up, so seventeen could be like crap. Um, no, seventeen, and it's actually wide receiver again. Um, is a running back, Cordarrelle Patterson.
0: <laughs> is it a running back or is it a wide receiver?
1: <laughs> well, it's a Cordarrelle Patterson. That's what it is.
0: That, that, that was the uh, fun thing last year, uh, last week was uh, so much talk on Twitter, a lot of controversy. I, I know in the. Uh, Oldest uh, living, uh, the oldest remaining uh, and also the original uh, Empire League, which was founded by several employees of Fanball.com, including the godfather of fantasy football, Paul Charchian, myself, uh, Explosive Output, Matt uh, Harrison, um, and and several others, uh, big time fantasy contributors in the Twin Cities area. Uh, BTXJ, Brian Johnson's part of that. Uh, John Tuvey, formerly of The Huddle. I was also a part of that league. Uh, It started as the very first empire league to be formed for football. And we had quite a heated debate on the site about what we were going to do about quarter Patterson, because uh, being an empire league, we decided to not change his position in season because we didn't want to create a catalyst for future possibilities where someone might say, well, so-and-so said something or the rumors were that so-and-so might be this. Now, Cordero Patterson is producing at at a solid level, if you're talking about from a running back perspective, a, a PPR running back. And what we've seen over the last few years is several running backs be playable as running back threes or flex plays that aren't your traditional starting running backs. You've got guys like J.D. McKissick, Naheem Hines, now, Corderell might be one of the more extreme versions of that and the fact that he can do so much with the ball when you get him in the space. And he's, he's such a physically gifted athlete that he can score from pretty much anywhere on the field, which is something you, you don't really have with Hines or McKissick, who are just mainly just pass catchers out of the backfield. Corderell can run the ball. We've seen him run the ball before, both with the Vikings and with the Bears previously. He's an incredible kick returner, probably one of the best kick returners of the last 10 years. And now he's getting a chance to both be used as a running back and a wide receiver. Uh, chalk him up to good production. If you can fit him in that running back, that's awesome for you in your league. But again, as we found out this past week, don't push anything because you, you just don't want to cause a lot of stress in your league.
1: Okay. But as a, he's he's ranking as seven, wide receiver wide receiver seventeen. Is he gonna be better or worse come the end of the year?
0: He's gonna be worse than that from the wide receiver standpoint, yes.
1: I agree. Definitely worse. I don't think he finishes as a top. He's definitely not top twenty four. I think he stretches to get top thirty six, honestly. So
0: all right. Yeah, again, he, I mean he's not going he's not gonna be a wide receiver one, two, or three for you. Uh, he's going to be a wide receiver for maybe a flex play at wide receiver. a so his better, his bigger value is if your league allows him to be a running
1: back. Yeah. All right, give me another number. Let's see where this rolls. Twenty-two. Oh, that's an ugly one, buddy. Do you want to know why that's an oh. ugly one? Why? Because we're a tight end now. Yes. You know I oh, like my tight ends. You You know what? You couldn't have picked a better time. I might want to rephrase that. <laughs> You you couldn't have picked a better twenty two though, Dallas okay. Goddard.
0: Oh gee, <laughs> um, he's at twenty two among tight ends.
1: Yep, and he's playing the night. So that's he, for some reason that sounds about right. <laughs> so he so he ranks twenty two. He's playing the night, and he's playing right. He's not out. He's not injured. Okay, yeah, he's playing the night. So. That's going to factor into it. He's going to move up tonight more than likely, but we're going to use 22 as, as the line. So better or worse.
0: <laughs> that is that is truly a tough one because that's basically right where I have him. He's at the for me, he's at that bottom tier of the tight end twos, in that like 20 to 22 range. I, I think that the only way he jumps up significantly is if Philadelphia unloads Zach Ertz at some point. Although, they they seem just as unlikely to want to trade Zach Ertz as Houston is to trade Deshaun Watson. Again, in both cases, making a move with those guys makes a ton of sense. But for whatever reason, the organizations just don't want to do it. Now, I, I will never feel comfortable starting Dallas Goddard uh, until Zach Ertz has gone from there. Because any given day, he could go out there and post you a, a two-catch for 14-yard performance. And, again, if if Ertz was hurt, if Ertz was gone, then I would definitely say that he'd, he'd be higher than that. But I think that number is is just about perfect. If we're playing card sharks, I'd say that number is just about exactly right.
1: But if you're playing card sharks, you have to pick one way or the other. So that's what you have to I
0: would do. Say, I would say over... By maybe two.
1: Okay. <laughs> I think he winds up better, not a ton better. Um, I was cautiously optimistic and I tied that to if Ertz is there, I'm all, all bets are off. I'm, I'm off of him. So I don't think he finishes outside the top 20, which isn't saying much, um, but he definitely finishes better than where he's at right now. All right. Next number
0: 36.
1: 36 takes us to the running back position. So that one might be interesting. Who knows? You might get a Christian McCaffrey or something here. Let's see who 36 is at the running back spot. 36 is Giovanni Bernard.
0: Well, Giovanni Bernard uh, made a nice uh, forward somersault into the end zone last week. <laughs> and uh, for whatever reason, he's out playing and outperforming both Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones in that offense. I don't think anyone quite predicted that this year. Uh, I also realized that much like Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco and Bill Belichick in in New England, uh, the running back position there is very mercurial. The coaching staff will make a change on a moment's notice. And I, Gio Bernard, he, he can kind of fill that... James White role. So as long as Tom Brady likes him, I think that's probably about the right spot for him. It might even be a little bit low. But again, one false swoop, one mistake, one dropped ball, one fumble, and the coaching staff might just cut him on the spot, which makes it really, really hard to predict that he won't finish much higher than that. But I'm going to say that Tom Brady has enough pull there to keep him fantasy relevant, and I think this is actually a little bit low for him. I think he's going to finish a little bit higher up.
1: You know, so far, you've done a really good job without knowing what position of, going to, of picking guys that really aren't easy to say, better or worse on. I'm with you. I think he's just about right. And, and I look, and I only see a couple of guys that I can say, oh, they're definitely going to finish above him. Um, I'm going to say worse, but I don't think it's going to be much worse. He's definitely going to be a, a running back three-slash-flex play for most of the year, I believe.
0: Okay, well, we're going to jump back up a little ways. Okay. And choose number seven.
1: Number seven. This is a good one. This one's going to be tough. We're at the running back spot again. I didn't say I couldn't go back to back positions. Um, mm-hmm. Kareem Hunt.
0: Is he actually the seventh run? Oh, wow.
1: Yes, he is. <laughs> and guess who's number eight? Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb.
0: <laughs> um,. Well, Hunt has obviously done more uh, in the passing game than Nick Chubb has. That's kind of always been their M.O. But this past week, Hunt got involved on both the ground and through the air. So it's interesting to see that. Uh, I, I still think that if Cleveland was smart, and Kevin Stefanski is a very, very intelligent coach, that he's got to realize sooner or later that Nick Chubb is still the alpha back there and he's going to continue to get the lion's share of the work. Now, this is a situation, I mean, again, if I was the owner of Cleveland, I would be looking to deal hunt to one of these running back needy playoff teams, say, like a San Francisco, or, uh, again, I'm hoping that Christian McCaffrey isn't out long, but maybe Carolina. Uh, There's definitely teams that could use a legitimate running back one now if hunt were to be traded which i don't think is going to happen Agreed. but if it were to be traded then i would say that that spot is about right but otherwise i think there's no way in, in a split backfield such as that that he finishes this high
1: i agree i'm gonna say worse um i think some of the value is going to see over the next few weeks will be the receiving extra work because jarvis Landry's out and stuff like that and i think they'll find ways to help take the burden off of obj and help that passing attack that way um but yeah i think asking him to finish as a running back one is a is a bit of a stretch running back two i think it's good value if you get that for him um but yeah not running back one going worse
0: well and again it, the nice thing about him is that he wasn't even drafted as your running back two he was probably drafted as your running back three, three in most four. situations
1: yeah. and you know what but if but if for some reason, knock on wood, we hope this doesn't happen, but Nick Chubb were to go down, then guess what? He's in the right spot. Um, all right, give me a number. Next one.
0: 41.
1: 41. You picked a good position to do that because wide receivers, what I've got, queued up. And the I'm going to give you the person that is in front of 41 and behind 41 just for the heck of it. Okay. Cortland Sutton is number 40. Tyler Board is 40. Boyd is 42, and DJ Chark comes in at 41.
0: Wow. Um, DJ Chark has really kind of disappeared out, out of the uh, realm of fantasy relevance in like the last year and a half. I mean, he started last year so hot, and then he just basically started getting completely ignored. And now... This year, his production has been kind of hit or miss. And he's he's arguably not the wide receiver one on that team. You can even argue that he's not the wide receiver two on that team if you consider Laviska Chenault's performances so far. Uh, Chark is at least on par with them. Uh, obviously, they're both running behind Marvin Jones in that offense right now. And I just—oh, geez. we or in 41 is the number, right?
1: 41 is the number.
0: So that is just outside wide receiver three, which is probably about right for Chark. I think he's going to finish a little bit higher than that. Ultimately, despite all the negative things I just said. And here's why. Because Marvin Jones Jr. will get hurt at some point this year. He always does. And that team will be playing from behind quite a bit this year. Because... The team is not that great, and they've got an awful, awful defense. So once Marvin Jones Jr. goes down, DJ Chark and Chanel will end up splitting sort of the co-wide receiver one role there, which will mean more production. And by the end of the year, Chark will finish uh, a low-end wide receiver three, so right around maybe 35 or 36.
1: Yeah, this one could go either way. Um, It's like getting that middle card in Card Sharks, as you said. I do think he's gonna be a little better um, the concerning thing for me is he had 12 targets in week one but only three catches but then over the next two weeks he's got ten to- ten total targets but he's found the end zone in two of the three weeks. I still think he winds up finishing a little better and I think the fact that game scripts gonna play a huge part of that okay now choose.
0: now let's go choose, uh, choose let's go number. with number twenty five.
1: Man, you're killing yourself here on tight ends. Let's see. Number 25. 24 would have been Robert Tanyan. Um, 26 would have been Dan Arnold. But 25 is Jonu Smith. (laughs) Uh,
0: Again, another player that was really predicted to have a big breakout season. uh, And then the Patriots went and signed another big-name tight end the next day. So (laughs) it kind of killed any hype Janu had uh, going to New England. Uh, His performances have been, shall we say, so-so at best so far. I think that Henry has actually outperformed him there for the first three weeks. So at, at this point here, you're not counting on him as a tight end one. You're barely counting on him as a tight end two. He's probably best left on the waiver wire. Um, You said that. What was Robert Tunyan at? Twenty-four. If if I had chosen twenty-four, I would have said higher for Tunyon based solely on the chance that he's still going to catch like seven or eight touchdowns. But I just I don't see any upside at all on that New England offense right now for Mister Janu. So I'm going to say
1: lower. I agree. Worse, not not better. So I'll go worse with you there too. All right. Now, this time, you got to pick another number, and I'll tell you what position we're going to.
0: 55.
1: No, I'm going to say that you can't pick 55. Okay. Three. Three works. We're at tight end. Now you know why I wasn't giving you 55. Oh, wait. 55. That would have been um, George Kittle. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) O.J. Howard for what it's worth. But you said number three. And this is a great one. TJ Hawkinson.
0: Ooh, very nice. Uh, TJ Hawkinson had on. arguably his so, worst game in two years hold last on, week. Hold on. Hold on, hold
1: on. <laughs> so number one is Kelsey. Number two yes. is Gronkowski. Three is Hawk. Four is Waller. Just going to leave it at that.
0: I think that three is where after last, after week two, I predicted that Hawkinson would finish as the tight end three overall this year. And then he went out and really did kind of a stinker this past week against the Baltimore team that uh, I, I don't really trust their coverage of tight ends, but their production this year has been kind of marred by the fact that the first two weeks they faced Kelski and Waller. So I figured, you know what? Well, TJ Hawkinson's kind of like a, a break for them after seeing those two guys. So maybe their defense against tight ends is better than they looked the first two weeks. I still don't think that they would be solid enough to shut down TJ Hawkinson completely. But they really did. I mean, they had two catches last week and just wasn't involved in the offense at all. Now, Detroit, for whatever reason, has targeted Hawkinson a lot. Now, most of that is because they don't trust their wide receivers yet. But ultimately, as the season goes on, they're going to get more and more comfortable with the likes of Amon, Ross, St. Brown, and Quintez Cephas, and eventually Tyrell Williams will come back and play two or three games before going back on the IR for another injury. So I have to assume that Hawkinson's target share will not remain quite this high all season but he's got a lot of talent. I'm going to say he's going to finish maybe one spot lower.
1: I'm with you. I'm going to go worse just because I think it's going to be harder to stay there. Now Gronk's going to fall off. So that's going to give a spot available, but he's got Waller yes. right on his heel. Logan Thomas, not so concerned about him, but Hey, he's got some talent. And then George Kittle. I think that the Kittle and Waller could easily pass him. Um, and simply I'm going with, I don't trust Jared Goff as much as I trust, You know, not the quarterbacks in San Francisco, but the head coach, the scheme for Kittle. And, of course, Waller just because he is the apex of that offense. Okay. Now you can give me another number.
0: Well, let's see. I just watched Ezekiel Elliott get just barely stopped at the goal line. And now, of course, they're letting Dak Prescott carry the ball in himself. So let's see what is that number 21. Actually, we, we did do 20. We talked about 21 a little bit, right?
1: Um, We did 22.
0: I thought we had mentioned 21, but okay.
1: We might have mentioned it, but I don't know what that was. That would have been tight end.
0: A different position, possibly. Okay. Yes. yes.
1: You don't know what position we're going to here.
0: So let's do 21 then.
1: 21. It is wide receiver, is where we are. And by the way, Dallas Goddard has caught a. Pass for 38 yards in this game already. Um, but 21 at the wide receiver position is, this is an easy one. You can say, like, six words, and then we can move on. It's DeAndre Hopkins.
0: Higher. Yeah, there you go. One word. <laughs>
1: you know, that's the first gimme, honestly. This, they've all been pretty good. Not, none of these have really been gimme, so that's the first one. Um, all right, pick another number. Ten. 10. We're staying at the wide receiver position. DJ Moore. who
0: uh, coming into this season, I personally believed that the previous connection between Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson would lead to Robbie Anderson being the alpha male receiver for the Carolina Panthers behind Christian McCaffrey, of course. So, so far this year, Robbie Anderson has done nothing. Yeah, and DJ Moore has looked like an absolute stud.
1: Yep.
0: Now, I am still 100% on board with Sam Darnold this year, having his huge breakout, if for no other reason than because it just further proves how incompetent Adam Gase is. But more so because, again, I've been a, I've been a fan of Darnold ever since he uh, got drafted into this league. So I am going to say... He's going to actually finish a little bit higher. I think he's going to finish as wide receiver 8 or 7 by the end of the year.
1: Uh, You know what? I'm with you. I'm going to say higher. I don't know if he's going to be 7 or 8 or 9 or just whatever, but I'm going to say higher. I look at this, and I see below him Keenan Allen, Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, and Keenan Allen. Did I say Keenan Allen? Keenan Allen, Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, Terry McLaurin. There are four guys that I can, three definitely, four I can see passing him. But above him, I see Debo Samuel. I see Brandon Cooks. I see Tyler Lockett. And I even see Adam Thielen um, and Mike Williams. So I see enough guys above him that I could see falling below him that I still think there's room for him to stay kind of where he's at. So I'm going to say better.
0: And we can also look at the fact that there's no Curtis Samuel there this year. And if McCaffrey does miss more than just a week or two here, I think that's going to mean even more short passes to DJ Moore that he can use to uh, stretch the field with yards after catch.
1: And I'm glad you said that because I do think that while McCaffrey's out, it definitely helps to pad those stats for him a little bit. Um, All right, let's move on. we got four spots left. Give me another number. 29. Okay, we're at the running back spot. 29 at running back is Tony Pollard. And he is 29th after only two weeks. Um, So it doesn't count count what's happening right now in this Monday night football game against the Eagles.
0: Well, we are watching the game right now. And so far today, Ezekiel Elliott has looked fairly good running the ball. And realistically, through two weeks, Dallas has had two different game scripts. In week one, they abandoned the run after three plays. In week two, they were shorthanded at the wide receiver position, and it showed because they weren't throwing the ball at all. It It was all runs, and it was split between Pollard and Zeke fairly evenly. Now, Pollard ended up with more rushing yards, but a lot of that was predicated on a couple of long chunk plays that he achieved. Now, long chunk plays are going to be hit and miss all season. And when you look at things here, right now, Zeke is on the field still at, at least a 65 to 35% split over Pollard. So I, I like Zeke to finish higher than he probably is right now. Yep. And I don't think that Pollard finishes quite that high. I mean, what, what you're saying with that is that there's uh, he's going to finish above some starting running backs. And there's some backup running backs that play more snaps guys like McKissick and them that are valuable in the passing game. That I think will probably finish a little bit higher than them too, by the end of the year.
1: Yep. I agree with you. We're going to say worse on, on, um, Mr. Pollard. I think you get a. I think he still finishes top 36, but I, he's not, he's not breaking top 30. All right. Give me another number. Seven, seven. We are actually staying at the running back position. You already did that. So you get to pick another one. I shouldn't have told you that.
0: Sorry. Although, let's go eight then Nick Chubb all right we talked about that right with cream hunt so yeah, sorry so pick another one I, I should have been, I should have been writing the numbers down that I've been calling so far so kind of like bingo I, I need like those little yeah. balls to appear on the screen to tell me which ones I've had I'm
1: number right. al- oh go ahead yeah, I was say I'm writing them down and I should have told you that but go ahead
0: number 13 lucky 13 Joe Mixon <laughs> uh, this is about where he was drafted. Yep. Uh, if your league was running back heavy, I mean, Mixon went early second round. Usually about 10 or 11 running backs went before him. Uh, that offense has no offensive line, but they're still producing a lot of points. But most of those points are coming through the air right now with Burrow finding Boyd and Chase and eventually when Higgins comes back him too. Uh, Mixon is, is kind of vanilla. I see him in that same range with guys like Miles Sanders, who you probably are rolling out as your wife as running back one, but not overly happy about it. Uh, if if you're fortunate enough to have him as your running back two, then you're probably okay. But twelve I mean, for a guy who is perennially underperformed, it just seems a little too high.
1: Well, that means you're taking worse. I'm going to take better because I think he finishes as a running back one. Okay. All right. Give me another number. This time I'll make sure that it's one you haven't called. 18? 18. You can do 18. We have not done 18. Mike Evans.
0: 18th among wide receivers. That uh, we, we already talked about some of the guys who are in the top 10 right now and some of the guys... Yeah. In between ten and eighteen that we think might move up some. And now let's say that Evans gets his usual, which is a thousand yards and ten touchdowns. So that's pretty much been his staple since he came into this league. In fact, he's gotten those thousand yards every single season since he came into this league. So a thousand and ten would put him among the top twelve receivers at the end of the year. True. Now, this is also the second season in a row where he's found himself being one of three wide receiver ones on one team. Now, Mr. Antonio Brown missed his past week with COVID. And now Rob Gronkowski is hurt. But they have other weapons to throw the ball there, too, including Gio Bernard, who we talked a little bit about. Uh, But... I just I still see him he's still gonna get a thousand yards. He might not get the ten touchdowns this year, which would put him at roughly wide receiver fourteen or fifteen for me by the end of the year. And you, you say you've got him at seventeen right now? Eighteen. Eighteen. So he's gonna finish a little bit higher.
1: I'm with you. I'd say better, not worse. I wasn't hugely high on him where I had to draft him or where you had to draft him, I I didn't think that the upside was there to get top 10, but he's definitely, I believe, going to be higher than that 18. Might not be much, but it might be, you know, that 12 through 15 range, but that's definitely better than, than where he's at. So, all right, give me one last number. This is our last one that we're doing. 47. And it was the wide receiver position that I have written down. At number 47... Wow, 47 and 48 would have been good. We'll probably talk about both of them. Uh, 47 is Julio Jones.
0: Well, right now, A.J. Brown, as we mentioned in the news today, has a hamstring injury, and he really hasn't done much banking yet this year anyways. So you have to assume that Julio Jones is going to be called upon to take on more of a role, at least over the next week or two while Brown is out. Now, again, that team cannot sustain itself giving Derrick Henry 30 touches a game. No. Derrick Henry would like that, but eventually they're going to run into a problem if that's all they do. So I think they are going to throw the ball more. I like guys like Cameron Batson and uh, whatnot to get more involved. Anthony Furkser from the tight end position. But eventually Julio Jones is going to be asked to produce more. So he's going to definitely finish higher than that.
1: I agree with you. I don't expect him to be the Julio of old, and they don't throw the ball much in that offense. It seems like we're at least not enough to substantiate having two guys if A.J. Brown comes back and performs. But, no, he's definitely going to be better than where he's at now. Let's talk Robert Woods real quick. We'll throw him in as an extra. 48, is he better or worse? I wanted
0: him to be better. I really thought he did. I thought that Stafford would use him as a field-stretching player, much like Kelvin Johnson or Kenny Galladay when they was with Detroit. But – Instead, we see that uh, Mr. Mister Stafford has got uh, goo-goo eyes for one Cooper, Cooper Cup. Cup. And so Cooper Cup has, has established himself. Uh, he might At this point, he might be the wide receiver one overall. He's, he is. he's definitely he is. top two or three. Currently, so he's number one. I, I think that Woods is going to finish higher than that eventually. Yeah. But it it's hard to play him on a weekly basis right now. I mean... I, I I see him falling into the wide receiver three category when he was most likely drafted as a high-end wide receiver two. Yep. So right around probably around 34, 35, 36.
1: Yeah, I think he at least gets back to where he finishes a wide receiver three. Um, he'll wind up getting his couple of you know, regress a little bit and not be the favorite son every week. But, yep, that's where we're at. Okay, that was kind of a fun little segment, I think. Um, other than the fun topic,
0: fun I exercise really, to yeah. look at. Uh, again, you can kind of see that. Players right now, if you look at their performance levels to date, they might not finish the same. They might not be the same at the end of the year. So, yeah.
1: All right. And there weren't too many um, punts that I'll, that I'll say. Like, the Andre Hopkins was possibly the only one that was a true punt. Julio is probably a punt, at, you know, being ranked 47th. But anyway, all right. Let's move on to our DFS segment. Set the over under, sir.
0: Three. Uh, four, four, four will be the over.
1: Oh, I was so ready to jump on the over. Now you say four, I'm taking the <coughs> under. No, you know what? God, there's no way we're getting five. <laughs> hey, we're going to push. I'm taking, I'm taking this, the under. This is an ugly, ugly yes. uh, DFS
0: or <laughs>
1: Honestly, we're running late. I, we could just run down and just go, blah, 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 be done, and I'd be happy because this is horrible. I hate this slate. Who are you paying up for a quarterback? <laughs>
0: I'm going to pay up for Josh Allen. He's 8,000 on DraftKings, 8,500 on FanDuel. Uh, tests have gotten harder each week for Houston. First, it was the rookie Trevor Lawrence. Then it was the running first uh, Cleveland Browns behind Baker Mayfield. <clears throat> then it was Sam Darnold and, and that explosive offense in Carolina. No, it's Josh Allen. You, you kind of want to feel bad for Houston at this point.
1: No, no. They deserve everything they get. Um, I exactly. Had to, I had Josh Allen written down. And guess what I did? I crossed the You, you pivoted. <laughs> I pivoted to Russ. I pivoted to Russ because he was a little bit cheaper, um, even though I probably shouldn't pivot to Russ on the road at San Francisco. I, I just, not the best. San project. Francisco's
0: secondary has looked awful this year.
1: Yes. The thing I didn't like about it, but I still wound up going with it, is the fact that it's on the road. Um, but, yes, I, I couldn't, I've got goo-goo eyes for Russ and DK Metcalf this week against that secondary.
0: Who are you staying away from?
1: I am staying away from Kyler Murray. No, wait, crossed him off, going all the way up to the top. I'm staying away from Patrick Mahomes.
0: We talked about this a little bit earlier. It's not a great matchup for Mahomes, but I really think that they need the win. They need the win, so I feel like he's going to step it up a little bit. Now, we actually we're, were talking about this as we're watching Monday Night Football, as I said, and we just saw... Dalton Schultz absolutely abused the Philadelphia secondary for a a 20-plus-yard touchdown pass from Dak Prescott. Now, Philadelphia has been very good at covering wide receivers, and they've got a very good cover cornerback in Darius Slay, who will more than likely have the assignment of trying to limit Tyree Kill. But there's no one that's going to be able to stop Mr. Travis Kelsey there. So I, I think that... This isn't a great game from Holmes. Again, I'm probably not paying up for him a ton. But the guy I'm staying away from is the guy you crossed out, Kyler Murray. (laughs) Uh, And you know what? The Rams actually gave up some pretty big yardage to Tom Brady last game. A lot of it was in garbage time. How often do we get to say Tom Brady in garbage time? Yeah, not very. This this defense is elite. Uh, It'll be really interesting to see how Murray does against them in four career appearances. Murray has only topped 200 passing yards once against them.
1: (coughs) Yep, I I had him down at first, and I went, you know what? Um, Patrick's a little more money, and there's so much to not like about the quarterback position and the wide receiver position and even tight end this week that I just want to stay away from the most expensive guy on the board. Mm -hmm. Who's your value play? I think we might match here.
0: Uh, I'm going to go with Sam Darnold uh, at Dallas. Dallas secondary has been shorthanded and outmatched this whole season. Uh, They'll be facing Darnold without the primary running back there in in Christian McCaffrey, so I think that means that Darnold's going to be throwing the ball a lot more again to guys like DJ Moore, potentially Robbie Anderson with a little squeaky wheel this week, and even the the, uh, rookie, uh, Terrace Marshall, too.
1: So, I looked at Darnold. As much as I wanted to say Darnold, I just couldn't do it on the road. Um, I wound up going with a guy just a tad cheaper that I think a lot of people are going to be off of based on his last um, game. But I think he gets a, and this is on the road too, but it's going to be good weather because it's a dome. I'm taking Tyler Heineke against that non-threatening Falcons defense.
0: I actually wanted to take Tyler Heineke until I saw the $7,400 on Van Dool and just thought that was a little too high for the value price.
1: It is. <laughs> But Darnold's 7200 So, I mean, Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I also like Baker Mayfield this week. Um, I, I'd like him more if he had Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham. Um, but I, so I went with the cheaper guy.
0: Now, if you want a really like crazy value play this week, <coughs> uh, it, assuming he gets the start, how about Justin Fields at home versus Detroit? No one's going to play him after last week.
1: <laughs> Very true. Very, very true. I don't, I don't think they're going to play him. I think the hand's going to keep
0: you Are you going to go to Nick Foles? Or? Yes. Yeah.
1: I do. Um, they need to protect him, and I think the last thing they want to do is throw him out there, not being 100% healthy, have another bad game, kill the kids, you know. Complex. Or in other words,
0: do, the, do what the Jets is doing to uh,
1: yes. Zach Wilson. Exactly. I thought you were going to say, if you want to save a little money, you could always go to, and I thought you were going to say um, – Jameis Winston when you said, but we don't know if he's going to start. <laughs> so. All right. That's quarterback. We had no matches. Could have had two. Almost had three, I guess you would say. Let's go to running back. Who are you going to pay up for?
0: I'm going to pay up for Elvin Kamara uh, versus the uh, Giants. New Orleans learned last week that getting the ball to Kamara actually helps them. Multiple running backs, not just one, multiple running backs in every game have gouged the Giants, especially through the air. Now, that is Kamara's specialty. Winston or Hill or whoever is under center would be smart to just dump the ball off to Kamara repeatedly and watch him just bring up lots and lots and lots of yak yardage.
1: We have a match. That's the one match I knew we were going to have. There's no way I I thought that we wouldn't match there. Um, However, I love Derrick Henry's matchup, but you get Kamara for 400 hours less. and, And remember I said that I'm not going to pay up for quarterback. I'm going to do whatever I can to keep Henry and Kamara in my lineup if I can. How's that?
0: I like that idea. All
1: right. Who are you going to stay away from?
0: This was a a bit of a challenge for me. I feel like I kind of took the easy way out. I'm going to stay away from Delvin Cook.
1: Yeah. See, I didn't do that for that same reason that you just said. I thought that was an easy way to stay away from it.
0: He is slated to return. He actually was close to playing this week despite his injury. But coming back from an injury, you got to assume he's going to be on a bit of a snap count. There's always a chance that he might re-injure himself. Plus, the key part here is he's facing his former offensive coordinator as coach. So I assume that uh, Kevin Stefanski will have Cleveland well scouted on how to defend properly against Delvin.
1: Very good point. Um, the guy I chose to stay away from was... Look, of course, I look at Dalvin Cook because of the injury. I'm worried about that. Commit McCaffrey's out. I could say that, but I'm not going to. I'm going to say Aaron Jones. I know Pittsburgh has not played well. I know Pittsburgh's on the road. It's going to be in Green Bay, but they're also like a wounded animal. If there's one part of their team that you can count on at least a little bit, it's their defense. I mean, Joe Mixon hit double digits fantasy points scored this week, but just if I look at the matchups, he's the guy I like least, basically, of the healthy guys. Mm-hmm. And all that said, he could go for one twenty and three against them. <laughs> it wouldn't shock me, but at that price, I, I've got better options. I like to get more of those top end running backs in my lineup.
0: Well, I, I don't think we have a chance in, in hell of matching at value play here. Yeah, so, I've got, I'm actually, I'm going to give you two value plays this week. Okay, and good. I don't think either of them is going to
1: match. <laughs> probably not because my value play is a little higher priced than normal.
0: Okay, well, my first value play is Sony Michelle. Now, Michelle nearly hit 80 total yards against an absolutely dominant Tampa Bay run defense last week. Arizona, meanwhile, they've been gouged by Derrick Henry, Delvin Cook, and James Robinson the first three weeks. They're tired. They're on the field a lot because of the quick strike a strict, quick strike offense. Now, this play here entirely comes down to whether or not Daryl Henderson plays next week. If Daryl Henderson misses next week due to his rib injury, I really like Michelle. If they both play, they kind of eat into each other's usage, in which case I'm pivoting off of Michelle to Miles Gaskin, who's $100 more expensive on DraftKings, but $300 cheaper on FanDuel. Uh, Indianapolis defense has struggled against the position all season long, so I really like him as a sneak, sneaky, cheap play there, too. No, I don't believe Malcolm Brown.
1: So that's not my value play. Um, Much higher. Maybe it's not the best matchup that people would think it would be, but I really think that we see Antonio Gibson heavily involved in this game plan this week against the Falcons. I don't see how Washington can afford not to have him heavily involved. Yeah, Antonio
0: Gibson's going to be in a lot of my lineups as my running back, too. Again, and you talked about playing Kamara and Henry. I could easily see playing... One of those two with Antonio Gibson, and then go cheaper yet at your flex position.
1: Yep.
0: But uh, again, he he's kind of on that cusp of being like, can, can is he really a value at sixty one hundred? We talked about Saquon as a value at that same price range last week.
1: Yeah.
0: Against Atlanta, and he performed. He scored. Nearly got a hundred total yards. So Antonio Gibson doesn't have an injury concern at all. Uh, his only concern is the quarterback situation and potentially splitting targets with J.D. McKissick. But I still like Gibson to, to score here and approach 100 yards, which would easily be 3X from that spot.
1: Yep. All right, so who are you going to pay up for at wide receiver?
0: Wide receiver? I'm going to pay up for Alvin Kamara.
1: No. <laughs> no. Yeah. no, no. I, I'm going to pay up for a guy we talked
0: about earlier, and that's Cooper Cup. Uh, the main possession receiver for each of the first three teams to face Arizona They've all scored a touchdown. Plus, you know, as I said, Matthew Stafford seems to only want to look for Cup right now. Uh, this is actually a game that I'm going to actually play a lot of Rams in. And as I already said, I was going to fade Kyler Murray. But an interesting thing to do would be on any site where you can do like a super flex lineup like Fanball or no FanDuel is doing super flex now too. Do a do a game lineup that's almost this whole game and get in Cup, get in Murray, get in maybe Max Williams or Tyler Higby as your tight end, get in DeAndre Hopkins, assuming he's fully healthy and ready to go, because there's going to be points scored in this game if the Rams jump out and score big. Arizona's going to have to score to keep with them. Now, I don't know if they're going to be able to score to keep with them, but there's always that slight possibility that this becomes a shootout, in which case, You've got two good offenses, but only one good defense.
1: Yep. Very true. So we have a match. Um, I started and I looked right past Cooper Cup. And it's probably my Robert Woods ownership bias as the reason, right? Right. Mm -hmm. and I almost landed on Stefan Diggs. That's actually the name I wrote down first, and then I crossed him out after the more I thought about it, and I said, okay, if I didn't own Robert Woods and I wasn't paying attention to Robert Woods, and I was truly looking at this game for what it is and what we've seen so far this year, Cooper Cup is easily who I'm paying up for. So that's why I wound up moving to Cooper Cup. So we have our second match.
0: Well, and so the guy I'm staying away from, it's hard to to consider staying away from. You're never benching him, obviously, in... Regular leagues, but I, I've got to stay away from Devonte Adams this week from a DFS standpoint. Uh, when he's that high of a price uh, and facing Pittsburgh's secondary, it's just it, it's begging for Aaron Rodgers to throw to someone else.
1: So this we were so close to having a match on Josh, a match on Kyler, we matched on AK we matched on cup. Do you know how close we were to matching on the stay away of Devontae Adams? He was the first person I wrote down, crossed him out, went to Deandre Hopkins, crossed him out, went to somebody else that I can't say, um, because it'll make me look like an idiot, crossed him out. And then went back and said, no, nah, I'm staying away from Deandre Hopkins.
0: I, I had actually originally written down Deandre Hopkins too. And then, uh I kind of talked myself out of it when I was thinking about the fact that, well, again, I I have a strange feeling that this game could produce some sneaky points, even though I don't love Arizona's offense going against that defense. Hopkins, he had a bad game by his own standpoint last week, but again, he was coming off the injury. We don't know how much he was being used as a decoy. And there's a lot of weapons in that offense, obviously, to throw the ball to. But he always has a really, really safe floor, I feel like.
1: Yeah, that's true. That is true. But, okay, who's your value play? I think we could match here, possibly.
0: I don't know. Uh, I had a hard time at the value play position for this. Uh, I went with Michael Pittman, uh, Indianapolis at Miami. Pittman is actually fourth in targets and seventh in receiving yards among all wide receivers over the last two weeks. And Miami has really struggled with covering big wide receivers, which Pittman certainly fits the bill of.
1: He does. No, we're not going to match. Um, I don't dislike that, actually. I did go cheaper, but I went in the same game. Um, is there any way that Miami doesn't say, my God, we've got to stretch the field, and they get Will Fuller involved? Because you can't have Jalen Waddle catching 76 passes for 82 yards.
0: Yeah. I was going to say Waddle's line last week was almost as absurd as Najee Harris's line last week. Yeah, <laughs>
1: it really was. Um, so, yeah, I feel like, okay, Wolf, Fuller got his feet under him. He missed, you know, the week to suspension, and he missed a week for personal stuff. I really, and look, he's at home. I think that we could see Fuller have one of those crazy 3-4 catch, you know, 80, 90 yards and a couple touchdown type weeks.
0: Well, I was going to say I would really love to see his line if Miami could trade for Deshaun Watson.
1: That's a whole different story.
0: <laughs> they actually managed to find someone to play quarterback there who can throw the ball less distance than Tua Tagovailoa.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. All right, we're running. We're running into the one hour mark, so we got at tight end. We'll be finished pretty quickly here. Who are you going to pay up for a tight end? I hated.
0: Tight uh, end. I'm going to. I'm going to go right up top with Travis Kelsey. Uh, Darius Slay as I mentioned will probably be assigned with slowing down Tyree Kill but as we just saw here Dalton Schultz is gouging Philadelphia's defense right now multiple big game plays Uh, I think that Kelsey is going to be the featured part of the offense for a third straight week for uh, Kansas City
1: so I wrote down Kelsey first I crossed him out I moved to somebody else Logan Thomas I crossed him out I went back to Travis Kelsey
0: I figured this was going to be the easy match one.
1: So we're at three. Okay. Who are you staying away from? Can't We will not another here. We will not Another
0: match. gentleman we talked about earlier, TJ Hawkinson. Chicago is allowing an average of three catches and 30 yards to the tight end position so far through three weeks. Only one tight end has scored against them so far. Uh, I would like Hawkinson a lot more if his price wasn't the, pretty much the exact same as George Kittle, who I think is in a better spot
1: this week. Okay. I'm staying away from Travis Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, if you're going to pay up, pay up for Kelsey. But if you're not going to pay up, stay away from Kelsey um, because I'd rather stay in that George Kittle to Logan Thomas price range so that I can hopefully get some of those more expensive running backs in my lineup.
0: I like that thinking there. Okay.
1: Who's the value play? We're going to match on the value play. Watch us match to push now.
0: Oh, I don't know about that. I'm going to take Dawson Knox against Houston. He scored in two straight games. Houston has allowed big numbers to a bunch of absolute stiff tight ends. Guys like James O'Shaughnessy, Chris Manhurts, uh, Trumbull, Tommy Trumbull for Carolina last week had a big game against them and scored. If Dawson Knox uh, catches a pass for a touchdown, he's already got three times value on, on drafting. So.
1: True. Not a bad pick. But we're not going to match, so they're Um Pat Fremuth. Playing against I
0: almost I almost, went for him I almost went for him
1: Playing against a Packers team that's given up the fourth most <clears> points <throat> to the tight end position this year.
0: And for whatever reason, Eric Ebron's really in the doghouse there.
1: So yeah, I mean, and he's thirty one hundred dollars. I mean, so yep. yeah, one touchdown and two catches, and you're three times value, probably.
0: I, I would I was seriously, I, I was gonna put Pat Firmworth down and I really thought about it, and I really thought about it like uh, I just there's no way he's gonna choose for your mother, and it's I totally what I'm leaning towards.
1: Well, surprising things. Okay, so we hit the under. Um, hopefully, that's something that can help people and they make a little bit of money this weekend. Enjoy themselves, have some fun, all that good stuff. You have any questions? You you're still not sure? Feel free to reach out to Harley at Nuclear Harley on Twitter reach out to me at Steve Gallo NFL. And, of course, if you haven't done so already, get off your butt, get your wallet out, show some daylight to the Bills in there, and sign up for the huddle.com You will not regret it. And, as always, get blitzed responsibly. Cheers.